What I have seen and would love to try and do, I know that hospital, because we've done developments, multifamily developments immediately adjacent to hospitals, hospitals have a real demand for what I would call short-term housing for all the people that work at the hospital, particularly the medical professionals. And I would love it. I think it would be great if we could team up with a hospital system to do multifamily, because I think we we build ideal product. We just finished a big project in outside of Denver, immediately adjacent to a hospital. And now we have a program with that hospital to lease units to their medical personnel. And then they can walk from our project right over to the hospital. This is the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast, the podcast that brings together leaders in healthcare and investment real estate to consider the possibilities in future at the intersection of practicing medicine and healthcare real estate investment returns. Welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. I am your host, Trisha Talbot. As a healthcare real estate advisor to providers and investors, the best solutions occur when the two collaborate together as partners in delivering better patient care. Providers can deliver care to their patients when and where they need it, and investors realize the returns to build and manage facilities. We explore changes in medicine and wellness, the future of healthcare, and using real estate as a strategic and financial tool. Welcome to today's episode of the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast, where I interview Mark Mullen, who's the Senior Vice President of Development of CleanBell Capital Management. CleanBell typically owns and operates and develops apartment complexes throughout the country, and he shares with us their story of getting into the medical office asset class for a short period of time, starting with medical office condos and ending with a multi-tenant medical office building that sold a couple years ago. So welcome, Mark, and I hope you enjoy his story. So welcome, Mark, and thank you for taking the time for this interview today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. It's the least I could do for you and Kathleen. We very much appreciate it. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about Clingville Capital Management? Well, Clingville Capital Management has been in existence for a little over 60 years and was founded by Jim Clingville, who's still very much involved on a day-to-day basis and just a lot of fun to work with and an incredibly smart, really innovative real estate person. And we got into the medical space when he and I sat down and he added the the idea that we should go out and buy well-located medical office buildings and put condominium maps on them and then offer the individual suites to doctors and small 1031 investors who really had nowhere to go with their money. And that was very productive for, I don't know, eight or 10 assets. And we started to realize that we had passed on a lot of medical buildings that had very good yields, investment yields, and that maybe we ought to get into the medical office investment business, which we did. And our basic business plan was to buy essentially on campus, although I use that term a little loosely, but basically adjacent to hospital campuses, because as you know, buying an on-campus building involves a whole another range of things that are largely out of the buyer's control. You may want on campus, but you know, I might want Christmas every day and I don't get it. So we went around and we, we did do that. And then the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare, came along. And we realized that in order to really survive in the business we were in, you had to have the hospital relationships because the doctors and their practices were migrating to the hospital model. 
And that was really it. And at that point, we realized, you know, we were competing against major medical REITs and other folks, and we just didn't have any real competitive advantage. And that's when we decided to sort of get out of the of the medical office business and get back to multifamily, which is really what we do, which brought us really to you and Kathleen. And that's sort of how we got acquainted. But that's the story. Well, and as you mentioned, you primarily develop, own, and operate apartment properties in several states across the country. So what attracted you to the medical asset class from the experience and and what you typically do? I think Jim saw that obviously the aging baby boomer phenomenon and the greater need for medical services. And then he combined that with knowing that there's this huge market out there for people to offer, real estate professionals like us, to offer investment vehicles to smaller investors for 1031 exchanges, people who have, say, between a million and $3 million to to, that they want to exchange on, but those folks have a very, very difficult time finding assets to exchange into. There's just not a lot offered, and that was the thinking. So, as I said, we did I don't know, you know, eight or ten of those, and they were very, very well received. But they were, it was harder and harder to find medical buildings that would fit that bill. So, and was that model more successful in some states than others? Oh, no, no question about it. We did, we did stuff in, in Chicago and obviously in Arizona and in California and Arizona and California much more receptive than Chicago, by way of example. So, you know, we met when you owned 7331 East Osborne. So this just for the listeners who may not be familiar with it, this is a, I would call it a campus adjacent medical, multi-tenant medical office building. It has about four floors. Plenty of parking in downtown Scottsdale, which is, as you know, we know, is a very low supply and high demand market, but especially a medical building being across from the hospital. And I'd say the medical office buildings, other than hospital-owned office buildings, are more on the older side, one story, not a lot of parking. And so this was a unique asset in the market. So how did Klingbell get introduced to it? We had a, a broker in the Phoenix market who we had done some of the transactions with that were akin to our condominium program and selling. Those were successful. And then when we migrated to this other model, although we did put a condo map on the Osborne building, we never had any intention of selling individual condos, and we, and we didn't. And so we were introduced to that. Two local entrepreneurs in Phoenix had acquired that, and I think at the time they had acquired it, it was in need of a shot in the arm in terms of CapEx and rejuvenating the tenancy. And they did a pretty good job of that. And we thought it was a great investment because it is adjacent to a thriving hospital. And, you know, Old Town Scottsdale is limited in terms of its development potential and so on. So we were very happy with that investment. And then, of course, the Affordable Care Act came along and we did lose several of our major tenants who moved on to various campuses. And so that made it sort of difficult. Well, and I would say when we were looking at it too, you know, a lot of the physicians in there were not wanting to do, I would say, long-term leases, which I would qualify in medical as five years or longer. They were really 
And some even were wanting to stay even month to month or do six months and one year. So you were overcoming this challenge with having a, all of these tenants really with a short-term mindset. And Exactly correct. You know, when you were trying to, you, you know, you bought this asset, you, you know, you probably invested, you know, as you said, some CapEx into it. And then, you know, you start talking to these tenants. Did that take you by surprise? You know, it was interesting. You know, you, you get with doctors love them or hate them, whatever, however you think about it, you get attached to your tenants. And so, you know, we had a lot of older doctors in there and those male or female, it doesn't matter, the docs would say, hey, you know, I, I don't really want to know what I'm going to be doing, but I enjoy practicing. I'd like to kind of hang around for another year. So do you mind if I just renew for a year? And you're so like, well, you know, I'm not going to kick out some doctor. I mean, Sure, fine. Let's do. We'll do twelve months, doctor, and that, that's fine. And so then you get into that, and it's sort of a lather, rinse, repeat. And you find yourself four years out, and the same doctor saying, "Well, you know, I kind of like to hang around, and you know, kind of continue to work for a little while. I don't really know when I'm going to retire." So there was a lot of that. Yeah. Do you think that you guys would look at another medical office asset to add to your portfolio? No, I think we're. We're essentially out of the medical business. But what I have seen and would love to try and do, I know that hospital, because we've done developments, multifamily developments immediately adjacent to hospitals, hospitals have a real demand for what I would call short-term housing for all the people that work at the hospital, particularly the medical professionals. And I would love it. I think it would be great if we could team up with a hospital system to do multifamily because I think we we build ideal product. We just finished a big project in outside of Denver, immediately adjacent to a hospital. And now we have a program with that hospital to lease units to their medical personnel. And then they can walk from our project right over to the hospital. Well, that sounds fascinating. And I you guys seem to have a real like unique community system going on. You have everything online. You go to your website and any all of your tenants can access anything they want from there. So it seems like you guys really have that nailed down. Yeah, I'd like to take great credit for that, but I, I think <laughs> I think it's pretty pretty standard in our neck of the woods. I don't so. know. I mean, obviously the higher end stuff that you guys do, but you know, I don't know. I th- I think that there's there's still a lot of inefficiencies, I guess, which you know creates opportunities sure. for people that can. Sure can do that. You know, if someone were to come up to you at a cocktail party and, you know, they haven't stepped into the medical office asset class before, what might be some words of wisdom you have for them? Well, I would, if they were in Phoenix, I'd say, go hire Kathleen and Trish. <laughs> That's what I would say. And you know, flat out, I thought you guys did a great job of uh, particularly managing expectations, including ours, whether you want to hear it or not, we, we got the truth. And you know, I think that helped us uh, both sides get get to a, a successful close. Well, I think also what the location, you know, obviously real estate 101, as everyone says, is uh, super oversimplified, but location, location, location. And I think what we really wanted buyers looking at this asset to value is is the location of having a hospital adjacent medical office building in downtown Scottsdale that not on a ground lease and is multi-tenant has a vision for where it can go in the future because it can withstand it is being the new owner is you know giving it a kind of a facelift but from a long-term standpoint any you know any investment in there will be returned because you'll be able to attract 
some long-term tenants and the demographics in South Scottsdale aren't going anywhere. People are still moving here. People still need healthcare services. And the next, I guess, major hospital, you know, would be up on Scottsdale Shea, which, you know, is a good 20 minute drive with no traffic and with traffic, you know, it can be as long as traffic requires. And then I would say the next hospital, it would be Banner Good Sam. So, you know, it really does cover a need in the market. And I I think that's what we wanted to communicate in the story we wanted to convey is that, you know, this isn't, while it might be an older medical office property, while, you know, it may have some short-term tenants, you have to look at the long-term vision of what the property offers the market and somebody that can see that, you know, would would value it accordingly. Yeah. And I I think James, you know, at Santa Mar Buyer, I think he, I'm sure he's looking at this. We looked at it and, you know, that asset had or has a parking field that could be developed. Of course, you'd have to solve for parking going forward. But I think you could put a multifamily development there adjacent to the building, solve for the parking. And the two could sort of be coexistent and help one another. We just at the time were not really in the business of building structured parking with a mid or high rise there. So that was not, but we looked at that very carefully. And I do think there's a tremendous amount of value to be unlocked using that, that asset as an example. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it was a win-win for, for everyone involved. And the next time you're down here, it'd probably be, I think, I think his plans are 18 more months, but you can drive by and, and take a look at it. He has yeah some really good design renovations for it. Yeah, I, I would I would love to see it. I mean, we we dubbed it the flying cheese wedge, but it's it's definitely it's a, architecturally it's a very unique building. It really is. It is. It's very Frank Lloyd Wright esque for sure. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Mark, we're gonna get into the part of the interview where we get to know you a little bit. Before we do that, why don't you tell the listeners what you do at Cling Bell, just so that they get an idea of what your day job is. Uh, yeah, my, well, my present iteration is I'm the head of our multifamily development group. And so we, we develop multifamily communities of say 150 units and above. Right now we are heavily focused in Denver, the Denver Metro area, but we've developed in Columbus and Washington DC. And we just finished our third project in Denver proper, all all those are leased up, and we've got two more that are coming out of the ground. So those two, the latest, would be about a 520 unit total. Wow! So we've really gotten back to our roots, essentially. All right. So then we'll go into getting to know you. So what was your first job? <laughs> My first job. That's a good question. Depends on how far you want to go back. I, I, you know, I. <laughs> I had every odd job under the sun when I was a kid because, you know, I, I just, that's just how we grew up. And so that's, you name it, I did it. And then, of course, college. And then I went on to law school and I was a practicing attorney for a while before I got into the real estate development side of the equation. Were you a real estate attorney? I was. My career path could not be replicated and I don't advise it. It was, it was not planned. I did not plan my life, which is probably a shortcoming. But I went from being a corporate real estate type lawyer to being a prosecuting attorney to 
back to real estate and then migrated over to the business side. That's a yeah. great story for yeah. a career path. <laughs> I don't know. I don't advise. I don't advise it. I do not advise it. Yeah. What, what's the adage? Life is what happens to you when you're making plans to do yeah, something else. Exactly. Yeah. What do you think you'd be doing for a living? You know, if you were not in commercial real estate in some fashion. I was a high school football coach for two, almost ten years, and so I, I I think about that a lot. I I think I would probably be involved in some sort of a public service job, which allowed me the time to coach and maybe even teaching and coaching. A lot of my close friends are doing that. So I quite enjoyed that, but just not kind of the way life unfolded for me. What or who are you reading or listening to right now for news, information, or inspiration? Well, my friends are bombarding me with scientific journals about COVID because (laughs) they are they are trying to decide whether the vaccine works and how it works and this and that. So, and these are all guys I went to Catholic grammar school and high school with. And so we've stayed tight ever since and like a sewing circle for God's sakes. But I spent too much time reading scientific journals. I also listened to podcasts by individuals by the name of Bishop Robert Barron. He has a, he has a whole podcast sort of, Thing called Word on Fire, which I recommend anyway. And he t- he covers all sorts of topics. So those are the two main things. And even though I'm too old, I have a nine-year-old son, and he is keeping me very busy. I have to remind him that that Papa is breakable. So that's <laughs> where he gets the message. Yeah. Are you throwing the football with him? I am, and he has football practice. His first one this weekend, and Pretty much all he knows right now is just jump on top of me. So that's, <laughs> I got I to teach him the finer, the finer points of things. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's good. What is one thing you do every day for healthy self-care? I swim. So I'm not really a swimmer. I wouldn't call myself a swimmer, but I swim for exercise. So that's, that's it. And I try to swim every day. That's great a great exercise. In your opinion, are leaders born or are they trained? You know, that's a very, very interesting question because I've been watching my, my nine-year-old evolve, if you will. And, and I, I really have not steered him. He is very opinionated, very, he wants to take charge of situations. And I don't, honestly, I don't know where he gets that. So I think probably there's a little bit of both. you you're either inclined that way, and then you have to learn the finer points of how to do it. And I really do think there's some genetic component to it. I don't know what it is, but beyond that, you someone's got to teach it. So, yeah. 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 I think that's a great answer. Well, Mark, I really appreciate this interview. I appreciate your time and, and thank you. Thank you to you and Kathleen. I'm grateful for you tuning in to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with others. As a disclaimer, this podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only and not intended for specific real estate investment advice.